0: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's have a shout-out for our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Hello.
2: Hello. Hip to the hop to the the ball. Uh, I don't know what that was, but I'm talking about basketball.
0: Na- <laughs> nailed it. Nailed Fired. it. Uh, <laughs> I'm Ben, you're Noel. Uh, Noel, what do you think of when you think of basketball? Oh, I think of incorrigibles <laughs> that
3: I think of. <laughs> the, them what cannot be tamed, you know, the spirit of of sporting chance and excitement and, and
0: dribbling and hip hop, the, the thing that Max said. I think of all my stubbed fingers because I play, Believe you wouldn't believe it because I'm not the world's tallest guy, but I was actually pretty good at basketball in my younger days because I, I had a lot of fight in
3: me. I, I think it's a misnomer that you have. to be tall it definitely makes you gives you an edge yeah but i mean you can aren't there some
0: like famous short shorties sure like steph
2: Steph curry trey young uh who are both taller than all three of us
0: and we'll talk about why right we'll talk about why that happened um along the way this week we're excited to explore the history of basketball and guess what folks Even if you're not a you know a sports ball person, if you don't uh, care too much about basketball, you're still going to enjoy this. Noel and I were talking. There's some there's some ridiculousness. This ain't your granddad's history of basketball,
3: right? Right. And if unless your granddad was uh, was a guy by the name of James Naismith, yeah, and so and born in the 1800s, and probably would be more like a great grand great. great. So
0: I want to thank James Naismith for enabling a young Ben Bolin to you know, despite being short, I was like. Spider-Man doing parkour drunk. I was all over the place. You know, it's weird that I still have 10 fingers. Mm -hmm. But thank you, James. Let's learn a little bit more about you, Mr. Naismith. This is something we said right before we started recording. You kind of have to be a little bit eccentric to wake up one day mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to make a sport. Mm-hmm,
3: that's right. And by the way, no relation to Mike Naismith from The Monkees, who was also a little bit eccentric. True. And maybe didn't invent a sport, but uh, did single-handedly invent rock and roll. Hey, hey, they're the monkeys. That's true. They're, they they monkey around sometimes. I actually need to watch that show. Uh, so there, there's a <laughs> podcast that I really like uh, called With Gorley and Rush, so they talk about, gently talk about horror movies, and they were saying how some of The monkeys sketches in their our TV show are like Tim and Eric level weird and absurd. Yes, and I, I I I need that in my life. And actually, I think the monkeys get unfairly maligned uh, as sort of this like fake band, but they actually had some really good
0: tunes as well. Yeah, you, I feel like it's so easy. To criticize something when you're not making something as well, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm a believer is a bop, yeah. But know? even some of their deeper cuts and there's some sure. of their albums that are like a little more
3: experimental. Yeah. Anyway, again, different Naismith, spelled differently. Even not sure why I brought it up. No,
0: I know why because we're fans of Tangents here on Ridiculous History. Oh, Last Train to Clarksville. I, I, you know, I love parody no, that's the songs. Kinks. Uh, they they did Last Train to Clarksville. The Monkeys did. Well, the Kinks do. The Kinks do it. Maybe it's a cover. I, I didn't think. I didn't think it was. Yeah, Last Train to Clarksville is by the monkeys. Really? Yeah. The Kinks do a great Last Train to Clarksville. <laughs> nice. Very it, cool. It's. A, I mean, everybody loves it. It's a bop. I had yeah, a parody. Really I had a parody version of it. I would play called Last Train to Hapeville, and it was about being late to the airport. Anyway, uh, that's where the airport is here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I, I'll, I'll bring us back from the tangent. Sorry. I'm an idiot. The
3: kinks did not do last train to Clark. So they did a song called last of the steam powered trains.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We need to make a train train related guys. This is going to be a weird couple of weeks for us because we're, uh, we've got announcements. We've got some housekeeping, um, Noel, you're heading to Detroit. Uh, Max, you're heading now in October. I'm heading somewhere in October. And then before that, uh, we're we're hitting Vegas. Mm-hmm. Hitting the strip. We're hitting, we're hitting the strip.
3: We're going to fear and loathe our way through that uh, city of lights.
0: And our boss, at, beat me here, Max. Our boss, and ro- keeps roasting me for being excited about yeah. seeing the Hoover Dam. Anyway, whatever. It's a marvel of engineering.
2: It really is. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wish I could come to be in that company with you because I'm, I'm assuming you're going by yourself, right, Ben?
0: I rented a car. I think it'll be a thing where we'll see who wants to come. I, I, I want to come. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yes, then please come. Um, Damn me up, fam. <laughs> that's right. Okay, that explains that text message. Okay, it was about the Hoover yes, Dam. Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay, so this is an epic tangent for us, but we've got a lot of <laughs> stuff going on. For us. worth it, man. You think you know, so? yeah? I think you Hopefully. know, you, you
3: come for the, the history, you stay for the tangents. Mm-hmm. Or you leave in a fit of rage for the tangents. Take
0: the last train to tangents. Exactly. Uh so James Naismith, he's a guy. Yeah, that that
3: James Naismith uh, was a real kooky character. Um, he was a second year grad student um, who was essentially put in charge of a uh, physical education program um, before this was like a thing. I don't even think they called it kinesiology at the time. That was like sort of when I learned about that. I guess the health class, or whatever they always called it, the study of kinesiology. I think it is named after like the the father of of health <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. isn't which isn't god surprisingly it's it's some <laughs> some dude named keen
0: yeah he um yeah so he's basically a pe teacher that's right right he's a younger pe teacher and another teacher one of his colleagues was uh, saying, you know, we've we've got an issue here, Jimmy, which is, you know, you can have the kids out running in circles or, you know, frolicking when it's warm outside during the summer, the autumn, the spring, but we need a game to keep them active in the winter months. Now, James, being a Canadian, he's about 30 years old now, he's familiar with sports that are popular in Canada, he's familiar with cold weather, and so... He says, "All right, I'm going to take a little bit from rugby, a little bit of lacrosse, uh, and then a, a little bit from a game that I've never heard of: Duck on a Rock."
3: Duck on a Rock. Like, have Do- you heard of this? No, I assume it's like Dope on a Rope, which is also a real game that I, I didn't just like make up. King of the Hill. Duck on a Rock. Maybe it does sound like you push somebody off. Yeah. So,
0: cast your memory back there, folks. It's the winter of 1891. There's a gymnasium there at Springfield College, then was uh, then it was called the International YMCA Training School and it's located in Springfield, Massachusetts. The college kids are getting restless. The way they describe these kids in winter makes me think of Livestock that you have to put in a barn, exactly, and yeah. like the horses are wickering and the the cows are looking around and mooing or lowing restlessly. I don't know. Yeah, I love it. I love a good lowing.
3: Yeah, and also really quickly, I don't think we mentioned this, but looking at images of this dude, this guy looks like the kind of you know fellow you'd see. In the halls of, of of Congress or something like a yeah. like a portrait of like a, a scholarly gentleman, wizened, you know, with circular eyeglasses and a quaffed and a mustache, you know, doesn't look like a guy that invented a game that became a, a purveyor of of culture, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, it's kind of he doesn't look like that kind of cat.
0: No, he looks like he has weirdly specific uh, opinions on the fall of the Ottoman Empire and like prices of silver futures agreed <laughs> he's he, he, he I don't want to say nerd right uh, we're very pro nerd here but I agree with you know he looks like he's in Congress wizened wizened and <laughs> wizardly wizardly indeed but he
3: you're right these these restless youths they They need to be tamped down <laughs> their their wild urges are just out of control you know they're they've got cabin fever, and this guy this size I think he's sort of challenged by a fellow a colleague you yeah. know to like why don't you figure out a way to occupy these uh these kids
0: yeah and i, I the way that we're describing it with uh, restlessness and pent up energy. I want to picture the invention of basketball as some kind of action thriller. So uh, instead of a colleague saying, hey, let's figure this out, I want someone bursting in the door and saying, damn it, James, this is a ticking time bomb. Something has to be done. (laughs) Their hormones are raging. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So in the winter of
3: 1891 to 1892 in Springfield College, as you mentioned, uh, at the time it was known as the International YMCA Training School. Naismith decided to take on this challenge. Mm-hmm. And he spoke to a, a kindly janitor, member of the janitorial staff, and requested that he uh, go out and seek something that he could use as goals. I think he asked for boxes, right? Mm-hmm. Initially. Some sort of, perhaps, shipping-type container, you know, for from a fruit market or something like that. Right. But, uh, he, he couldn't find any boxes, but he did find some baskets, box does not have the same ring as <laughs> yeah. basketball, uh, or like maybe it would have just been called box-ball. Isn't it just funny, though, how maybe he would have found his way to the baskets eventually, but mm-hmm. one, based on this, you know, kind of uh, serendipitous situation, one kind
0: of tends to think that this was a little bit arbitrary, you know? Yeah, it, it could have been any kind of container which I I agree is pretty interesting. And also I want to point out that the gymnasium class at the time, it was not like your PE classes today. One of their activities was marching. (laughs) <laughs> which just seems so weirdly militaristic. You know? I mean,
2: I mean, like you guys never played marching in like <laughs> elementary school, like <laughs> played marching. Yeah, you're just like we march like that. I had to do.
0: I had to do marching because I was in a pretty fascist, pro-military uh, Boy Scouts troop. But that's wow. as close as we got. You mean the Boy Scouts? <laughs> uh, I I lucked out. You get you get one or two. You either get the really hardcore let's train you for the revolution troops. Right. Or you get the other ones. So I'm happy that I ended up with the very weird revolutionaries. I always think of that Monty Python bit from the Meaning of Life
3: where they're like uh, running drills at some sort of military training facility and he's like, marching up and down the square, <laughs> not good enough for you, eh? You know? now wait, Don't stand there gawping like you've never seen the end of God before.
0: And yes, we know marching band is a thing, folks. Marching band is also a thing. That reminds me, guys, uh, this, uh, this will be one of my last tangents for this. I know this is a two-part episode for us anyhow. That, do you know about the Battle of Bands here in Atlanta? I know about the concept of Battle of the Bands, but this is like a like a marching band battle. Yeah, it's all the all the best college marching bands get together at the stadium in town, and they just serve each other, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like uh, uh, dancing up at each other. What was that amazing cheerleader film? Well, there was uh, the Kristen Dunst in it. Gabrielle, get it on, light it up,
3: do the thing. (laughs) Well, you got served was the dancing one. Yeah, so there's that, but it's
0: also and then there was Drumline, which was you know. Bring it on. Bring it on. I was close. You were very close. That's kind of a vague title anyhow. But but yes, you guys, let's go to the Battle of the Bands. I swear, it's such a fun time.
2: Oh, can I jump in with a tangent? Yeah. If you were in marching band, what instrument are you playing? What do you mean, like hypothetically? Yeah, hypothetically. Which one would you choose? Uh, bassoon,
3: baby. Bassoon? Nice. No, I have no embouchure. Uh <laughs> I, I cannot play any uh, except a drum. I could play a drum, but those would be heavy. Be really the drum hard guys hard on your are back. like
0: the coolest ones too. They right? are. I oh, yeah. would I would either go drums or uh, I I want to I can't even remember the proper name for him but but the dude who just has the cane he's <laughs> yeah. like there's the no drum ex- major yeah the drum the major, drum major? Mm-hmm. yeah
2: I, I I can't believe y'all didn't say this but I want to be the guy who's inside the tuba you know, the giant tuba <laughs> that wraps
3: around a person yeah. I want to be that guy I think that's actually called a sousaphone sousaphone mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I want to be that guy. Invented by John Philip Sousa, uh, another weirdo composer, inventor, polymath, much like the guy who we're supposed to be talking about today, James Naismith. So he does the thing, gets these peach baskets, is what they are, right? You know, woven kind of wickery peach baskets. This is the late 1800s, so they probably had a different vibe than maybe what we're used to. But he then. I th- attached them to, like, the kind of opposing balconies in this open, you know, gym, where there's, I guess, you know, think of, like, a high school gym where there's maybe a walking track around the top, something approaching that. And then he's like, huh, well, can't have a game without some rules. So he started to kind of brainstorm as to what he, he rules he would impose on this game. Because so at this point, all he had were these baskets. (laughs) Very organic. He really just kind of was going by the seat of his pants. You got to give him props for that. Um, He realizes, though, that an important facet of what he's trying to accomplish is to have a game that is simple enough to understand... uh, Complex enough to be interesting and doesn't involve punches and kicks and karate chops, yeah. you know, like rugby and other more rough and tumble type sports. And
0: it can't be like a one-on-one or two-on-two thing like mm-hmm. tennis. You have to accommodate the entire class. That's right. Uh so they the kids need to be running around and they Because exercise is another right, important fact. Right. The calisthenics is part of what he's teaching. And so He divides these kids into teams of nine, and he tells each team, look, you got two teams, you got one ball, I'm going to blow this whistle, and then you, one starting team gets the ball, you try to put it in the other team's basket. You know, if you're one of the kids who, I feel like he took the kids, the two least fit kids, and said, you guys stand at the balcony, and when the ball goes in the basket, your job is to take it out of the basket. Mm-hmm. So you're still participating.
3: Right. Yeah. So and also this is not the basketball that we think of today where there's, you know, the ball comes through. You gotta, no,
0: no, it just goes, it in. goes in. They That's, didn't figure out cutting off the bottom. They didn't yet. figure that out yet. They
3: hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah. Uh, but his epiphany comes when he realizes that there's a very important rule that will sort of take care of the, the nonviolent aspect of it, which is that you can't move with the ball. That's right. You can't run with the ball. I mean, I believe they call that traveling or like holding Mm. or something like that. It's traveling. Yeah, yeah, you got to bounce. But this this original basketball barely resembles what we know today as basketball. We're going to get to that. Yeah. uh, It is still, I believe, you can't hold the ball and move. You have to bounce the ball, dribble dribble the ball. But still kind of a lot of contact in modern basketball. But it does still seem safer than
0: football. Yes. Yeah. You're less likely to have suffer the long term consequences of a concussion. Yeah. Traumatic brain injury. And if you're watching basketball, you're less likely to lose hours of your life sitting through commercials, which is why football is football, American football at least, is still mainly just popular in the U.S. It's because it gives so much opportunity for advertising. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people just watch the Super Bowl for the halftime sure. show. Did you guys hear the about the
2: new rule in college football? What's that? Outside like the two-minute warning. Uh, Are they putting in guns? No, after the Uh-oh. first down, they just run the clock to make the actual game shorter so they put more commercials in.
0: That's ridiculous. Because
2: everyone's complaining about how long college football games have gotten, so instead of taking more commercials out, because the NFL took more commercials out a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, college is just making the game shorter.
0: This is why I'm
3: glad I don't like sports. Um, but I do think basketball is inter- is entertaining and, and, and enjoyable to watch.
0: Yeah, agreed. And there are uh, there are some examples of modern myth making here. Uh, I didn't know this going in, but there are two very different accounts of the first basketball game. And one of them, it goes off fine, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all learning together, uh, kumbaya, hands across America, kind of stuff. In the other one people almost murder each other. So you want to do the murder one first? Obviously. (laughs) Yeah, it basically
3: devolves into a brawl because, again, the the rules are kind of fluid at this point, right? Yeah. And they don't quite get it. And people are just used to going around slapping balls out of people's hands, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, being a little more aggressive. And after all... These are, these, are, these are described as a, a group of
0: incorrigible youths. By Naismith and yeah, himself, yeah. yeah. In 1939, he's uh, talking about this on a radio show called We the People. The radio was sort of the first podcast. And it's the only known recording of James Naismith's voice. He's 77 at the time. And he tells the studio audience... Basically, he makes it sound like these were the Lost Boys from Peter Pan or like Lord of the Flies type stuff. He says, you know, like you pointed out, he says, I had to tame this class of incorrigibles. And the show's host, the interviewer, Gabriel Heater, she says, what rules did you have for your new game, Dr. Naismith? And uh, his response is epic. Oh, yeah, he, he as, as we said, he they were a little fluid. Uh,
3: he didn't have enough, he said, and that's where I made my big mistake. The boys began tackling, kicking and punching, karate chopping. I added that part. They ended up in a free-for-all in the middle of the gym floor. Uh, before I could pull them apart, one boy was knocked out. Several of them had black eyes, and one had a dislocated shoulder. Dude, that's wild. It takes a lot to dislocate somebody's shoulder. That's not like a minor injury. That's serious.
0: They've been pent up all winter, I guess. How did he let this get so out of hand? He concludes, it certainly was murder. After that first match, I thought they'd kill each other, but they kept nagging me to let them play again. And I tell you what, in that version of the story, the reason they're nagging him is because they wanted to settle some scores. Sure. That's what happened. It was it was devolving into a uh, into a group brawl. And so he says, okay, look, like you pointed out, uh, he says, I added some more rules, basketball became a fine clean sport. Yes. Good clean fun. <laughs> Good clean wholesome fun. And then he says, uh, I guess it just goes to show what you can do if you have to. And the audience burst into applause. Max, can we get a rah, rah? Yeah, and no or- Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and then an orchestra plays him out.
3: Ah, the golden days of radio. I love know? that stuff. But yeah. like a, like they used to literally have radio orchestras. I you know it. that was a whole thing. So I still cool. have
0: I still have an old uh, collection of some of those. This is maybe a very southern thing, but we got this place called Cracker Barrel here in the South, and Cracker Barrel is famous. It's technically a restaurant, but it's less famous for its food and more famous for its very weird. General store, country store, the country store, yeah, where they sell collections of old timey radio tracks. They do sell yeah. those
3: kinds of things, and they also sell tchotchkes and and trinkets, little wooden puzzles, little wooden puzzles, and like the thing with the with the golf tees. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my favorite, I was I was at a Cracker Barrel recently on the way back from a trip to the beach, and um they were selling all kinds of like Halloween themed things what? that could very easily be misconstrued as. Satanic. A little bit satan
0: Wow, Cracker and Barrel. And they sell alcohol now. I heard about that. Wild. I not been yeah, since they no. did that.
3: But, um, you know, things change. Sure. Uh, as uh, this, boy, these, these segues, as did the story around the first mm-hmm. uh, game of basketball. Uh, and we often know that, you know, sometimes when you approve uh, a writer to do your memoir, you know, sure. they might you might give them access in exchange for them writing a, a favorable account, you know, of your life. Yeah. Like what's happened with this Elon Musk uh, book that just came out. Apparently, um, the writer has already retracted the way he characterized Elon shutting down these Starlink satellites, you know, right. that were supposed to aid uh, the Ukraine in that conflict. He basically came out and said that the way he wrote it in the book was a mistake. And he's always kind of had a history of being a little kowtowey to Mr. Musk, as opposed to, like, this getting, This being a tell-all. so one. Could imagine there's a similar situation with Mister. Naismith because the account in the book. It's weird though because he told the, the the rough and tumble account himself, so it's not like he would be opposed to that being out in the world. Yeah, but maybe he wanted the official record that's in his book to be. I don't know. I, I, the guy doesn't strike me as a liar, a little bit of a kook, but not a liar. But according to the the, the memoir, it was a it was just a smashing success, and and uh, nothing could have gone more swimmingly.
0: Right. So what is most likely, I would, I would guess what is most likely here is that there was some diplomacy in the telling of the story in the memoir. And then as the guy ages, he's got his legacy. He's not worried about getting in trouble. You know, now he's a sports legend. Yeah. So now he's, he's a good, he's just telling the fun version of the story. We know that the bones of it are true. He did invent what becomes basketball. He did have to, (laughs) <laughs> he did have to maintain control over a, a bunch of rowdy kids. And he was coming in hot because the PE teacher before him just couldn't get the kids interested in anything. So this embellishment um, about it being violent, if if it's untrue, uh, according to How to Watch Basketball Like a Genius by Nick Green, um, the embellishment probably came about because the first game might have been very boring yeah it finished with a score of one to nothing so what is this soccer that's snoozer
3: material right there (laughs) not good Uh, a student by the name of william chase got the only basket in what maybe would be considered a three-pointer today you know a real half court you know (laughs) fling right (laughs) right right. heave ho yeah um so he obviously was the was the star player the floor of the gym where all this went down uh measured thirty five by fifty four um so this yeah, this would have been basically based on current kind of standards uh- a mid court shot,
0: yeah, this is like yeah he's he's half half a court away that's epic, that's like steph curry level uh and the game was clumsy, maybe more than a little chaotic. Uh, and then Naismith later wrote, this, "This is this is such a weird cold burn." He says, "There's no teamwork, but each man did his best." Great. What does that mean?
3: Participation award.
0: Is there a guy like popping and locking? in the Yeah. Corner. Maybe. You know. Who knows?
3: Uh, I do think. You know. We'll we'll get to some of Naismith's more uh, out their ideas about the human species, but you start to get hints at it uh, with his theory that young men needed competition inherently, and they had to fulfill some kind of play instinct, which just really feels like looking at man... As as an animal, in in a lot of ways, you know, like a yeah. like a primitive beast, which is not. I'm not saying that's not. There's not some truth to that at times, but it, it does seem like this guy, he had some uh, he had some ideas.
2: Yeah, to jump in here real quick, uh you'll actually hear that a lot of people who argue like pro like NFL pro football will say that it's, it's like it's a uh, substitute for war.
0: It very much is, and mm-hmm. you know.
2: Football is very much trench warfare. It's what it is. Yeah. And so th- that is an argument for it. So uh, you say that, I wanted to jump in and just toss that in.
0: hmm uh, Let's do the sound cue. Who's
1: that creeping out of your phone?
3: It's Max! And he dropped the knowledge just for you. So good, there he goes. Max gave you his
0: facts! You know, I agree with you. When um, Noel and our pal Matt Frederick, whom you just heard, folks, uh, We did an episode of this many, many moons ago on sports as a substitute for war and the psychology is there, which is why, you know, Max thought I was joking when I was like, I don't know, update the rules, give them some not lethal firearms, but like give them, (laughs) you know, give them some like something heavy.
3: Or we could just, you know, post some, like, sniper turrets. There we go. Have you seen that thing? There's a meme or a video meme where it's, like, uh, shots from American Sniper, where Bradley Cooper is, you know, the American, the Uh titular American Uh Sniper, and he's popping off shots, and then it's showing that those moments where male soccer players just... Fall down and clutch themselves <laughs> when they're literally brushed by another player. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's like a thing. Yes. and then you compare it to women's soccer, where they just play on with like blood gushing out of their yeah, eye sockets and yeah. stuff. I
0: mean, it's pretty comical. American Gladiator. James Naismith would have loved American Gladiator. You guys remember that show, dude? I went and saw them in Augusta when you I saw grew him live. Up. I saw them live. They did nice. the tour. There's a there's a there's a
3: documentary about the American Gladiators on Netflix right now. And uh, surprise, surprise, they were all a bunch of juicers. What? Yeah. Like, like, uh, uh, not of the orange variety. I would never
2: guessed. Not at all. They seem so
3: collected. (laughs) Apparently lots of orgies happening in the locker rooms too, between the, can you imagine that? Like a juiced up orgy like
0: that? Uh, I'm just imagining the smell (laughs) and I wish I wasn't. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As he said, Naismith, little wonky, we open with that. You got to be kind of eccentric to say, I'm going to invent a sport. And originally, the students who, by the way, again, are on board with this from game one, You know, they got black eyes, dislocated shoulders, scores to settle. They say, ah, Mr. N, you should call this Naismith ball, bro. And he said, well, we've got a basket. We've got a ball. Let's just call it that. If it had been a box, it would have been box ball. Mm -hmm. Or if it had been a basket and a box, it would have been basket box. He's being very reasonable. I think so, too. I'm glad he used a ball, though. And so we wanted to uh, share some of the rules that he codified. You know, he's so he's basically he's the Moses of basketball, right? So here's what he puts on um, his tablets. Uh, He says, like you pointed out earlier, uh, I don't want the players to move when they're holding the ball. That's kind of why rugby gets violent. And he real he has this moment where he says, "Look, if you can't run with the ball, we don't have to have people." be tackled right Uh, and if you if you listen to his and we can laundry list them too or some of them but if you listen to his original rules what's surprising is they don't seem like they all apply to basketball today
3: yeah I mean again I'm not what you'd call a a sports fan. Um, So I don't really, I know the basics of the rules of basketball, but a lot of these didn't seem familiar. I think we should list them out because they're pretty, pretty
0: fascinating. Uh, The ball may be thrown in any direction with one or both hands. Okay, makes sense. Mm Yeah, uh, the ball may be batted in any direction with one or both hands, never with the fist. God help you if you use a fist. No fisting. This isn't volleyball. This is basketball.
2: I mean, that's a great way to knock someone's
3: tooth out is to hit a basketball with a fist.
0: Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I yeah. get it. But also, a slap will
3: get it going pretty fast
0: too sure it also some of that rule in particular feels like it was written from for one kid with like a bad home life totally it was just like oh, i just want to punch stuff. i just picture that arthur meme you know yeah, with, the, with the clenched exactly. fist you know um, the tiny little
3: clenched fist mm-hmm. yeah well you know there's there's, there's rage in that fist uh, a player cannot run with the ball the player must throw it from the spot on which he catches it i love these very gendered rules as well by the way Allowance to be made for a man who catches the ball when running at a good speed. Uh, Wait, allowance to be made for a man who catches the ball when running at a good speed. If you're
0: running, they throw the ball while you're running and you catch it, he's saying, You don't have to like
3: like put on the brakes and skid like a cartoon character.
0: So
2: how it eventually progresses, you can take a step without dribbling. Yeah, yeah. Which there's also like the Euro maneuver and stuff like that, which is ways to manipulate that. Without breaking the rule,
0: and you have to hold the ball in your hands or between your hands. That's the next rule. You can't tuck it in your pits, no, you can't, between your thighs, right? right. You, you know, can't, between can't your head and neck. You can't you know? just bend bend it behind one knee, um, unless you're the Harlem Globetrotters. That's right. but that's more like of a that's show later yeah, on. That's yeah, so they, they are the,
2: tremendous basketball players. Though. They oh, are, sure. of
0: course. The uh, arms or body must not be used for holding the ball. That's right. Uh, no shouldering, Boom. holding pushing, Mm
3: -hmm. tripping, Mm -hmm. or striking, or karate chops in any way, the person of an opponent shall be allowed. That's like a Yoda uh, sentence right there. No, shouldering, holding, pushing, tripping, or striking in any way, the person of an opponent shall be allowed.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he didn't just say the opponent, the person of an opponent, which sounds very legalistic, but I love the idea of, although it's probably fictional, I love the idea, again, of the the, these rules being written for one really violent kid. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as the whistle blew, he just did a roundhouse, oh, yeah, exactly. clocked
3: someone. Totally, cold-cocked him. Love yeah. That word. Uh, the, there's, there's, this continues. Yeah. This is actually this where is we important. get into something yeah. that I think, I mean, some form of this obviously still exists today. Uh, the first infringement of this rule by any player shall count as a foul. The second shall disqualify him until the next goal is made. Or, if there was evident uh, intent to injure the person... For the whole of the game. No substitute allowed. Max, is this in any way resembling the foul system of modern basketball?
2: Kind of. It is a, so there's a subsect of fouls called flagrant fouls. So there's a flagrant one and a flagrant two. So a flagrant one is like when you, like, injure someone by kind of like, like negligence. Like, like, you know, you're not like attempting to injure them, but you shouldn't have done what you did. And what that, what that is, is the team, I think traditionally, there's, there's different situations. You get two free throws and the ball. Uh-huh. So it's much higher than a regular foul, which is just two free throws or the ball. Uh, and then if someone gets two flagrant ones in a game, they get ejected from the game. And there's a flagrant two, which is like, no, 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 man, you weren't even trying to like, you know, go for the ball. You were just trying to like tackle this guy in yeah. air. Uh, uh, then you're it's on- like
3: first and second degree murder. Sure.
2: That that that's what I was thinking. It's like manslaughter and murder. Yeah, yeah. manslaughter's one, murders two, and uh, two you're immediately ejected from the game. But mm-hmm. you know. When these rules were written, I don't think they had bench players. Yeah, because you know basketball, you always. Well, no, out it,
0: it does say no substitutions in oh, one of these rules. I'm going to use the word flag, or the phrase "flagrant foul" way more often totally. now. Like you have committed a flagrant foul, and. Yeah, so we've got that rule does matter. And then they go on to define some of the ideas of what a foul is. So rule six is a foul is striking at the ball with the fist. Violation of rules three, four, and as such as described in rule five. So he just says this is what a foul is. And he starts counting fouls. If either side makes three consecutive fouls, then the other team gets a point. It shall count as a goal for the opponents. What does consecutive mean? It's good, but it's not perfect because – the clock on consecutive fouls starts over whenever the other team does something nasty. Yeah, and
3: there's no mention of penalties in, like involving free throws or like extra opportunities to get points. There's a way that these consecutive fouls translate into free points, you know, for the opposing team. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't like there's no you know mini game, which I would say kind <laughs> that'd of, be great. It's kind of well, that's kind of what a free throw is. It's Like oh, we we've triggered this event, and now you don't necessarily get it, but you get the opportunity to get it.
0: Yeah, and then. What is a goal? He says a goal is made when the ball is thrown or batted from the grounds into the basket and it stays in the basket. Remember, the basket still has a bottom. Providing those defending the goal do not touch or disturb the goal. If the ball rests on the edge and the opponent moves the basket, it counts as a goal. That's way different. That's very different.
2: Ah, uh, Yes, no, but uh, goaltending is still a call, at least in American basketball. It's not international in FIBA. Uh, But like, so if the ball is above the basket and a team touches it, it's either offensive interference, which is a turnover, no basket, or it's goaltending, automatic basket. But is FI- way cooler because FIBA, you can just rip it off the top of the rim. Tight.
0: So there's also, the, um, there's also the idea of a ball going out of bounds. We all remember this. Uh, you've seen it in every basketball game. When the ball goes out of bounds, it shall be thrown into the field of play by the person first touching it. In case of a dispute, the umpire, the ref, shall throw it straight into the field. The thrower in which is a cool title, gets five seconds to do it. If he holds it longer, it automatically goes to the other team. If any side persists in trying to delay the game, then they get a foul.
3: The umpire shall be judge of the men and shall note the fouls uh, and notify the referee when three consecutive fouls have been made. He shall have power to disqualify men according to Rule 5. I'm sorry, an umpire in basketball? Yeah, they changed it. Yeah, off. blasphemy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think so
3: uh, okay, but we do have, we have a referee,
0: right? Exactly. So the next rule: the referee shall be judge of the ball and shall decide when the ball is in play, in bounds to which side it belongs, and shall keep the time. He shall decide when a goal has been made and keep account of the goals with any other duties that are usually performed by a referee. So the way it's written, it sounds like there's a ref and an umpire, but now they're the same guy. That makes sense. Seems like it's convoluted to have both. What? No way. It could
2: be one of those things. So, like in football, there's like a ref, uh, there's an umpire. There's like all the different people have a different title, a
3: jurisdiction, perhaps. Yeah, I get it.
2: But then basketball, you just have referees, and baseball, you just have umpires. Mm-hmm. There's no jurisdiction for them.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It seems like basketball is a little more of a of a nimble kind of sport too. Like where it could one person could probably keep track. It's not uh-huh. like an insane number of players.
2: And it's similar in some ways to like how soccer works, where like the refs move up and down the field. And so when you're on this part of the field they're assigned to like this section and stuff like that. So like everyone's kind of calling similar things. In a basketball game. Mm. Which goes to
3: show, too, that a ref in basketball uh, or maybe in any sport, um, particularly in basketball, not not so much in baseball, has to be pretty fit because they got to keep right. moving, bobbing and weaving and running along.
2: And th- that's where it's different than like football is because you have like this guy's job is to make sure everyone's on side along with a couple other calls. But like they're very much more specialized jobs for football uh, referees.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's more to look at, too. Right. <laughs> Also the weird system of how they outline a first down mm-hmm. on the stadium or on the on the field is pretty fascinating. Still all that eludes me. A down. Yeah. It's down. Greek to me. It's fine. I'm fine with it keeping it that way. So you're, you're there for the commercials? You know what I mean? They're
3: good commercials. I'm there to hear other people's hot takes on the commercials. I don't even need to see the commercials themselves. I
0: love going to live sports games for the energy, and I love concessions food. I I know it's super trash, but I I know those nachos are not worth $12 Mm, or whatever.
3: That color does not exist in nature. But it hits different. (laughs) <laughs> does hit different. Especially, you know what I really like? What's is, that? Is uh, French fries at a baseball game smothered in ketchup directly on the fries. Amazing. That, yeah. I think for me, that's a nostalgic thing. Because I used to play Little League and then go to Little League yeah. games. and That's just a classic sport, uh, you know,
0: snack. Like peanuts at totally. baseball. That's how I feel too. Yeah, the next rule is the time shall be two 15-minute halves with five minutes rest between. And the final rule... This is, again, from our pal Nick Green. As you don't talk about Fight Club. As you don't talk about Fight Club. That's right. James Naismith, inventor of Fight Club. Chuck Palahniuk has been lying to you. Uh, no, the last rule is the side making the most goals and in that time, in that time window, will be declared the winner. If there is a draw mm. and the captains of the teams agree, then they can just keep playing in kind of a death mode. Record scratch. <laughs> Th- foul ball. Whee! Uh, we're we're (laughs) we're ding dong ding dong we're successfully making this one of the seven timeouts you get one of the seven times out timeouts we get is it times out or is it timeouts timeouts unclear timeouts
2: it's not it's not like attorneys general
0: okay we're taking we're taking a pause there's so much more to explore about the world of basketball thanks to our research associate dr z's
3: that's right. Not to be confused with Dr. J, 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 who was an important figure in uh, the early days of basketball. What's Dr. J's name? I almost got it. Hold on. Hold on. Ben, I see you Googling. I am Googling. I what? can tell you. Don't Hold on. I almost. Oh, gosh. It's on the tip what is,
0: of my brain. What is the male name that is most likely to begin with a J that is not Justin or Jason? Johnson? Close. J- Jensen?
3: <laughs> also, I have a part two to this question. Oh, boy. Oh, now I'm trying too hard and it's gone. What is it? Julius.
2: Julius Irving.
3: Julius Irving. That's right.
2: What what league did he play in? NBL. Nope. (laughs) He played at the American Basketball Association. There was two leagues. There was the NBA and the ABA, and they they went together.
0: Hey, man, uh, if I put together a trivia team, do you want to be the sports ringer? I'm looking for a new sports ringer.
2: Sure. It's uh, it's about $45,000 a year to retain me.
0: That's uh, pretty reasonable, actually. I mean, I'd like... Do you take it in bar tabs? (laughs) I'd like for you to pay me... I I take
2: it in in, uh, French fries covered in ketchup. Boom. All
0: right. A delicacy. This will all make sense later. Thanks also. Or not. (laughs) Or not. Thanks also to uh, our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Thanks to Jonathan Strickland, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. the Quizster.
3: Who else? Who else? Oh, you know, all the hits. Uh, uh, Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Mm -hmm. He's Jeff Coates. Uh, Christopher Osiotis here in spirit. The works. You. Me. And, and the devil makes three. Basketball is fun. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now?
0: Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? we are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening
3: in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships.
0: True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, of rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com.